today on Gospel Unscripted. I love that Jesus had friends like that. Don't freak out. He knows the end game. Hey, everyone. This is Gospel Unscripted, and I'm Megan. And this is Amy and Jenny. And we want to just welcome you to this episode. Thank you for tuning in today. Today, we are here to encourage you, to pray for you, and to read through the gospel with you. Usually what we do is we make connections and observations and ask questions, all unscripted. Um, We just want you to join us in pursuing the heart of Jesus and learn about God's plan to give us all a future and a hope. So let's get started. Get started. I'll pray for us. All right, dear Lord, thank you so much for for this good day. And thank you for just the opportunity you give us, God, to dig into your word and to learn more of you. And Jesus, I just pray that you would be in our hearts and our minds as we study these words. And we just ask for discernment and just open the eyes of our hearts to, to see who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Megan, you want to start out reading a little bit of it? How much do we want to start with sure. girls? Yeah. First four verses. Yeah. Verse one through four. Let's just do that chunk. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. We're here. We're finally talking about Lazarus. Oh, yeah. I know you're so <laughs> I am so excited. This is, um, we're just getting into the really fun stuff. I mean, I think it's significant to notice how much space this chapter takes. Yeah. You know, like just about Lazarus. I mean, at least two thirds of this chapter. The last part is kind of a little bit separate, but it's all related and it's it's a lot. So when I talked to my dad, he said that in the synoptic gospels, kind of the turning point in those are when Jesus clears the temple. Mm. And then in John, the turning point, like Ooh, the turning point. I can when see that. They're determining, yes, we are going to kill Jesus when the plot becomes the real thing. Yeah. When you look at like where it is in the book and then also how much space it takes up. Mm -hmm. And this is like, it's so open, you know, nothing is hidden anymore. Yeah. Very public miracle. Very, very public. We're leading right into, which, you know, as we are recording this, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of that's right. is, is this week as we're recording it. Yep. So we are entering into, in this story, the beginnings, like this is the last thing he does before he goes into Jerusalem, Yeah, which is in, I think that next that chapter. Awesome. Yeah. Right. The triumphal entries in chapter yep. 12, mm-hmm. as which would be the Palm Sunday experience, which is Lent, of course, is those six weeks or so that lead up to yeah. Holy Week, which would be Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and then finally Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. So, yeah. yeah. So in time in the story, I'm thinking, all right, Jesus knows all this is just about to happen. When I, I don't know when it was when I started thinking about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And now is this in scripture? But in, I don't know. But in my brain, I'm thinking he knows this, the big penultimate thing is going to happen. The death of Lazarus obviously was not outside of Jesus knowing, like he knew that was going to happen too, but he's also going to be with his friends. You know, he's going to be there with people that know and love him, that he loves deeply. 
in this time before he goes into Jerusalem for those final steps to the cross. I love that Jesus had friends like that, do, you know, too. not, not just yeah. the disciples, but, but the people that just, he loved on them and they yeah. loved him, you know, in deep and yeah. in wonderful ways. And anyway. Yeah. But he liked hanging out. Yeah. I mean, he'd been there multiple times and, you know, the disciples were, were well aware of Lazarus and Mary and Martha too, which I think one of these verses coming up will say our friend Lazarus, mm -hmm. you know, the disciples who have traveled with Jesus throughout the course of his earthly ministry also knew this area, knew these people, knew that family. Yeah. Before we get too into the story, I think that it's important to remember the last verses of chapter 10 that talk about Jesus going away across the Jordan to, it says verse 40 of chapter 10, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. Anyway, he was across the Jordan and he was doing something over there. I think we said last time that it was maybe the area of Perea. And then it would have been about, I don't know, 15 or 20 miles, like a day's walk. So yeah, like he definitely was at a distance. And I was also wondering like, how did sending a message look like in those days? Like, was I it just thought about that too. Like verse three, where it says the sisters sent to him saying like, they knew that he was the one to ask for help, which I think is significant. But then how was a message sent and received? I just was curious about uh, that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so, thinking someone on horseback, maybe, <laughs> you know. Well, I heard someone talking about the significance of the place of Bethany. N.T. Wright said yeah. that Bethany literally means house of the poor, I think. Um, somebody yes, I heard else was saying it kind of translated to be like house of where those who were sick went. And that that kind of went together, like the poor and the sick kind of go huh. together there was some place in bethany that cared for the sick and that possibly mary and martha took part in helping the sick there and that it was outside of jerusalem because you know according to jewish law they wouldn't want people who had blood going to the temple well that seems like that could be not an yeah. accident <laughs> so a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Lazarus, of course, being the brother of Mary and Martha, but Lazarus was not mentioned. You know, when you go back to the story, Luke 10, which is yeah. Mary and Martha, something that I listened to today said, all right, the gospel of John was written around AD 90. So some of the stuff that we're going to hear in like in verse two hasn't happened in John's gospel yet. Um, concerning like Mary anointing the Lord with ointment and wiping his feet with her hair. So that John recounts that in chapter 12, but other gospels like Matthew's gospel was already out and circulating. And yeah. so when mm. he makes that reference, you know, this, the people who were already familiar with the gospel would connect that Mary. I also heard in my study that because I get confused <laughs> with all of the Marys. Like there's a lot of Marys that there they are. mention in the Bible. And yeah. one uh, guy I listened to on YouTube said that Mary is a derivative of the name Miriam, 
who in Old Testament was the sister of Moses who helped uh, put him in the water, right? Helped mm-hmm. to save the savior of the the Jewish people, you know, in that millennia. Yeah. And that is partly why that name was so popular oh. um, in that culture. Yeah. yeah. So I don't sense. have any extra, you know, uh, evidence for that, but that was a one pastor's take on that. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Well, and one thing I didn't think about until just now, because I think I thought this is where you were going with this, Amy. So it seems like they were all living in the same house, the two sisters and the brother. And it seems like none of them were married, although Mm -hmm. it doesn't say that. So it seems like it would have been a bigger deal also if he were to die, because then they wouldn't have. I mean, I know like when a, a woman's husband died, it was a really big deal unless she had sons to help. Like I'm thinking of like Naomi in the old Testament, yep. just socioeconomically, it would have been a really big deal as well. Yeah. To have of, I was like, thinking what if-, if they are unmarried, if, and they're all siblings, could they have been much younger, like teenagers? Yeah. I don't know. I've never, I feel yeah. as if they might have noted if they were teenagers, that's just my gut saying that because they talk about the age of other people that he raised you know Jairus's daughter wasn't they she like 12 I mean if they were young like 16 17 18 19 they would have still been adults in that culture but maybe just younger adults yeah yeah, yeah I mean I, I still be considered like a peer or a friend of Jesus even if they were not the same age as him I guess we just don't have you know specifics on that particular yeah. thing he's 33 so you know, when I read this, I think that they may not be as old as Jesus, but my impression from who knows what is early twenties, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever yeah. reason, that is what my brain translates that their age yeah. might be. Yeah. Since we don't have real information on, on what their age was. So right. there, are, there could be a spectrum. You're right. Of how old they were. And, but regardless of the age, I think the fact that he was the only man that's mentioned living in that house. If he was the only male, mm-hmm. it, it would have, you know, dire consequences for them. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I just love that, uh, that John identifies this place with the names of these two women too, though. It, it is the home of Lazarus and Mary and her sister, Martha, you know, like mm-hmm. they're important enough to mention by name. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus spent time with these people and there is a school of thought that Christianity not demeans women per se, but that they are given a lesser place in the kingdom for whatever mm-hmm. reason, people may have that impression, but I, you know, as a woman, I don't feel that. And I, and I love stories like this yeah. that emphasize how Jesus loved these ladies and yeah. the first people that were there on resurrection Sunday were women. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I don't feel left out of this story mm-hmm. as a woman. Well, and I know that I've heard many times how like in the gospel of Luke, women are really elevated, but I love that here in the gospel of John, like they're mentioned as well. And I think it just goes to show like that was Jesus. It didn't really matter to him. Right. We see 
Jesus making friends with, you know, those who are sick and ill, doesn't matter if you're, you're a man or a woman, if you're healthy or if you're not healthy, rich or poor, he's not a respecter of persons. Or if you have past sin, definitely able to meet us where we're at and doesn't necessarily want to leave us in that place, but like as a starting place, able to meet us where we're at. Mm -hmm. In verse three, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And the word love there is the Greek word phileo, which is the, um, the love that's like the emotive love, the brotherly love. I decided I'd look, you know, throughout the chapter and just look at the word love throughout there. And Mm. I found something really cool. Like, um, so that's in verse three. And then in verse 36, you know, the Jews who came with Mary, I know we're jumping ahead, but I have something, a cool thought. So the Jews who came with Mary to meet Jesus, you know, after they saw Jesus weeping, they commented, say, look, see how he loved him. And and that word is the phileo love too. And so the the people are noticing how Jesus is showing, he's showing love in an emotive way to the people that he's close to. But then in verse five, okay, we hear about Jesus. This goes on to the next part. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, but that love is the agape love. And so I think it's interesting how when we look at the way that the people are looking at how Jesus loved, they see phileo. And then Mm. when John is talking about how Jesus loved his friends, it's agape. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah, we don't even understand agape almost because we're so into, you know, the tangible evidence of love. But Jesus, throughout the entire Gospel of John, is talking about how he loves his people so much that he's going to be giving up his life for his people. It's that sacrificial love. This People's Bible Commentary that I like said that when Mary Martha sent that word, to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. That Greek word there could be translated, which you're saying is the phileo, could also be looked at Jesus, your your really good friend is sick. Mm-hmm. So, and then they say it was implicitly a simple prayer. Jesus, we have a problem. We know you will help us, you know, as, mm-hmm. and how many of us go to our friends? How many of us, when we have a problem, reach out to a good friend Like I've called you, Jenny, when I need someone to go like, let my dogs out occasionally, you know, (laughs) or, you know, when you are having a a problem, it is a very human thing to reach out to other friends to get assistance, you know, and that's what they were doing too. I mean, they chose well, (laughs) you know, if you're going to ask one of your friends, they Mm -hmm. chose the right one to, to send the note to. Okay. Then in verse four, when Jesus heard that though, when he gets this note, you know, his words, they, and this is always, you know, when I was little, when you're a young person learning this story, you know, cause they teach this in Sunday school. I learned this in Sunday school when yeah. I was little, little yeah. about Lazarus come out, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, this part always confused me because if your friend needs something, you go right now, you know, mm-hmm. that's in my world. If I can go, I try to go right then. 
And Jesus' response to this, this distress call is not to get up and go, is not to rush. It's this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it, which is similar to what he said about the young man who was blind. You know, why is this man blind? And it was all so that God can be glorified through whatever went down with that blind man. Right. And so here he's saying that same thing to this crowd, which doesn't say which crowd it is. I'm assuming it would be the disciples who are Mm -hmm. with him. And whoever the messenger would have been that had gotten it to him, whether it was written or whether it was verbal, you know? Yeah, it's kind of a a sacred echo. This is for God's glory that this will happen. I think it's interesting, though, that he adds the latter half of the verse, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It's almost like a humbling statement for Jesus Mm. to say that because you know he's humble, (laughs) A, You know, he doesn't want Lazarus to die. Lazarus is his friend. And you don't, he doesn't want Mary and Martha to have to go through that grief process. But it's like the way that the father glorifies the son is always through humility. Even because of the fact that Jesus wept in verse 35, I wonder when Jesus said this, if he was hesitant and not wanting to say it, it was, it's, it's almost like I'm thinking of garden of Gethsemane, Mm. Lord, if this doesn't have to happen, please take this from me, but not my will, but your will be done. I was just thinking, adding on to that too. He definitely knew looking into the future that the plot to kill him was definitely going to be a much bigger thing after this and i think there was even i mean this is like in chapter 12 but i think there was even a plot to kill lazarus later on too Mm -hmm. jesus knew that like that he would be glorified through it and so in turn so would god but he also knew it was going to cause some problems and pain yeah problems in english although his first words are this illness does not lead to death Mm -hmm. so when i hear that i'm like well i mean jesus is the ultimate servant king i also hear confidence in that though mm-hmm. almost like don't freak out this illness yeah. does not lead to death don't freak out yeah that he knows the end game he knows all the steps mm-hmm. and it's not great going through some of what is going to happen but he knows that the illness does not lead to death you know when people heard that i'm sure they weren't thinking eternal death and darkness and all those things or maybe they were i don't know but would they have just heard that and thought okay he's not going to die or was jesus meaning doesn't lead to ultimate death or temporary death i don't know Mm -hmm. but in either case jesus is confident that this is not the end for lazarus you know we're gonna end run out of time We've talked enough. We should probably pray. This might be an episode. That sounds Let's good. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll say a prayer. Lord, you are so good to us. Just in this little bit that we've talked about so far, we can be reminded that you are in control and mm-hmm. that anything that we have to go through in this life, Lord, can lead to your glory. Lord, help us to glorify you through whatever pain we might be going through whatever hardship, help us to give you glory, Lord. And I pray that you would just continue to 
pour your heart into us, Lord, that we can just overflow with confidence that you are there, that you love us, and that you will bring us forth. I just thank you for all things, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.